0: Hello everyone, welcome back to The Sandalanch reading Mistborn Book 2, Well of Ascension. I am Dak, and as always, we are here with... Dita. Jamie. And I'm Joe. Didn't know where he was going with that one. Uh, <laughs> so this week we are reading chapters 29 through to 31. The first couple of chapters, really meaty shit of Vin and Orisur talking about Zane, and then Vin and Say's talking about the deepness, which is what we're really here to see. And then we meet Phil and talk politics, and it ends on one hell of a goddamn cliffhanger. So strap in, this <laughs> shit's getting real.
1: Elders tell us, keepers of the on treasures of the dirt. Russian string, we swivel and sing, and think for the animals of the earth. And we try. Yeah, okay, so we got not exactly the action that you guys have been begging for the last few episodes, but uh, we got some interesting stuff here. What did you guys think of these three chapters?
0: Okay, we didn't get the action, but we had like a solid chapter devoted to what is the deepness and what we were hoping for. Like Vin and says like looking at Quan's rubbing and talking about what the big monster is uh, in all the legends. I'm just like, cool, this is what I'm here for. Don't care if it's not action, this is what I wanted. So I think collectively... The first two chapters, I loved. Third chapter, I'm like, all right, this is back to the politics. All right, cool, we'll, we'll deal with this. And then the end it ended on that bombshell. I'm like, whoa, okay, now you've got my attention. So I think collectively <laughs> these three chapters are probably my favorite chunk we've read so far.
1: Yeah, I mean, no, n- n- not the action that you were asking for, but you've been asking, you especially have been asking for, like, more discussion of the deepness since book one. So I can, uh, that is something that... Uh to keep us tied over, I guess. Yep. The beast got fed.
2: Yeah, I um, I thought these were really good good chapters, and yes, we didn't have this action that we're looking for, but yeah, I, I'm really pleased that we have progressed in some of our main storylines that we've had through here. Vin and Orsa are just great. I love, I love their scenes together at this point. Oh, I just need to digress a little. I woke up one morning, and... For some reason in my head, I just had the line of Joe singing Vin and Orsaur, two of a kind, in his voice, <laughs> over and over and over. Oh, and really yeah. Every time every time I read about Vin and Orsaur, <laughs> I'm going to dream about just that line over and over and over. And I was like, I always need to hear Joe's entire little song, because hopefully it'll just get out of my head then. <laughs> and it's just over and over and over. Anyway, yeah. and this is what I think about sometimes <laughs> when I read. <laughs> about Vin and also. Anyway, I yeah I I love their interaction. I was like I was thinking about the same thing too about Vin sleeping. It's like you really do need to sleep at some point. You are going to start going crazy, but she's gonna come down from a massive pewter drag at some point. I quite liked the assembly chapter as well. I thought when when Ellen made his entrance and I'm like oh Vin's in a dress and you know, he's finally, he, he's doing all these things that Tindwell wanted. He He's making that show of, look, I am a leader. And I thought his play was very clever to be, to be nominated again. So I really liked that. And then the shocking reveal at the end was pretty good as well. And yeah, the deepness. I'm really glad that we're talking about it again. And the mist monster is starting to come back into play because that's just one of those mysteries. But it's always good when we got to this point in, the Final Empire when they started putting the epigraphs back together, and I was like, okay, we've now read this this information for the second time. We're starting to get these clues. Okay, we should be stitching this together by now and, and seeing where that goes. So, yeah, really really good read. I really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, they did give us like that whole section of the uh, of the I almost said logbook. This is not logbook of the the <laughs> metal sheet, whatever you want to call it, uh, to read yeah. it. the
0: Word wall. The word wall.
1: The word wall. It was pretty much pretty much all the same stuff we read before, but there's a couple uh, little things at the end, I think. Yeah. 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 These
3: chapters were cool. You know, the Orser chapter at the beginning was nice. Maybe it's because I'm just stuck on this theory, but I keep like I keep like trying to fit what's happening in the scene to my theory that's not actually Orser. And so going on that level, it's just like very interesting to me, kind of their dynamic right now. And then the second chapter, I almost wish when it started with him reading the Dovakin Wall, the word wall, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, when it started with that, I was almost like, can this just be the whole chapter? Can he just read this to us? That would be great. I just want to hear the rest. <laughs> like I just want, I just want the whole chapter to be him reading the rubbing and and to its completion and just, you know, we're done. We we know what's Half-
0: going on. Halfway up. through the books, the epigraphs just stop.
3: Yeah, be, <laughs> yeah I wouldn't be mad at it and then the third chapter yeah i i didn't enjoy it until like jamie said ellen comes in with his posse if you will and it's just like he's doing he's doing what he needs needs to be doing he's showing up he's acting the part of his leader that his leadership has been lacking in and he does have a very clever play to put this guy as a chancellor who he knows has always kind of supported him and so is also a nobleman and who will Respond to honor with honor. So yeah, it was very cool. The, you know, and you guys are so excited about this cliffhanger. I was like, this is stupid. Why would set be in the middle (laughs) of all of these people in the assembly? The, the, like, like Ellen's assassin is in, is across the room. Like he's, that's the dumbest thing you could do. Like weird. I would just kill him if I was then just, just kill him right there. Why wouldn't you? He's the King. He's the warlord with this giant army. Just kill him. But I guess the answer to that would be, you know, then Straff's got a clear line to victory because then he could probably get both armies, but anyway, we'll get into it.
2: <laughs> it also doesn't really say much for um, Luthadel's security now. <laughs> You've got sure someone that you, you know is on Strath's team, is just sitting there, but he's a Mistborn, so, you know, you can't really stop him anyway. And now you have the king of your other enemy army. Like, are we just going to have the Kolos walk through at some point? Because who's watching the walls? Who's watching the gates?
0: <laughs> Everybody's
2: welcome.
1: <laughs> <Okay>. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I'm like, oh, let's just walk up with, like, sacks yeah. of vegetables, and it's like, we are here to deliver food. All right, let him in. <laughs> yeah. This old man
3: has a beard, and he's got a cart full of stuff. Yeah, come on in. He's cabbages.
2: My
1: cabbages. My cabbages.
3: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> One for every head of cabbage. <laughs>
1: okay. I guess let's get into these. There's actually, actually, I'm sorry, before we even start in there, I wanted to touch on, because this first chapter is just all this Vin and Orser kind of, and I agree, I love their relationship in this book. It's really awesome. And I thought that I would touch on this one bit from the uh, annotations before we even get into it, because it's kind of an interesting backstory in, well, a little bit of a backstory on Orser's character. It says Vin and Orsor are quite well established by this point. Actually, Orsor and his character, the Orsor that we see in this book, are one of the items I brought over from Mistborn Prime. And so, Mistborn Prime, what he calls Mistborn Prime, is his first, the first book that he wrote called Mistborn, which actually has very little resemblance to this book. Like the hero is this young man who's kind of he, I want he's kind of maybe kind of Kelsier or maybe a little bit of Kvothe. Like in his attitude, it's kind of he's kind of a stereotypical young male hero who's like also a thief. And uh, he says the book isn't anywhere near as good, it uh, which is why you know obviously it never got published. And it takes uh, but it he take a, he took a couple of things from that book and brought them into this one. It had an early version of alamancy. It had uh, the conjure sidekick, which he felt was one of the few things that actually worked in that book. So Orsor has like origins older than most of the other concepts in this book, including Vin. I think. I don't remember if that male character in the first book was named Vin. Uh, I've read like the first chapter or so of that one, but it's just, yeah, the whole book is is very different. The whole story of this one is very different than the story of uh, that original one, but Orser is one of the carryovers. So I thought that was kind of cool. Interesting. He's got, that's one of the books. He actually says in the annotations, I don't know if this is even true anymore, but he says, if you ever want to read Mistborn Prime, email me and I'll send you an electric copy. He has several unpublished novels that, he will send people copies of if they ask yeah. for it or if they sign up for his newsletter, you get one of them. And you can tell why they're not published; they're not quite as good as the books that actually got published, but they're still pretty interesting. And you can see, you can there's one called uh, Aether of the Night, which was supposed to be set in the Cosmere kind of. It was partly before he came up with the Cosmere, but once you've read the Mistborn trilogy and then you read that book, you can see where like several pieces of that were taken and kind of ported into Mistborn, uh, as it appears in publication, and pieces of it ended up in, like, the Stormlight Archives, and so you see that in a bunch of the different ones. He also has one called White Sand, which we won't be reading the prose version, because he never, it's unpublished, the prose version, but they they changed it almost exactly, not, ex- there's 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 several changes, but they kind of ported it from that prose version into a graphic novel format, Ooh. and it, That is set in the Cosmere and actually has several important characters and details. So that is something that we will be reading is the graphic novel uh, as we progress. But uh, so I've read the prose and the graphic novel, and they're pretty much the same story. So you don't miss out on much with the graphic novel, except it's all it's kind of rushed because they're shoving it into a graphic novel rather than letting Mm. him take his time with developing a story like we're reading here. Anyway, random side trick, but there's lots of cool unpublished stuff out there.
0: (laughs) Wow. So you... Got this guy who not only has published more books than most other author, authors, he's also not published more books than most other authors.
1: Oh, yeah. if uh, I And when we get into Elantris, uh, the annotations will talk about it some. But Elantris was just the first book that he got published. It was like the 13th book
0: that he wrote. Oh, I think you've mentioned that before. I vaguely remember you telling us that.
1: And so, yeah, it's... There's a lot of he has a lot of unpublished stuff that you know most of it is for good reason because it wasn't that good and there's it, it's interesting to hear him talk about it because he goes on about how you know he was trying to write these things and none of it was selling and people were like well you need to try to write this stuff that's like more like the stuff that's popular right now and so then there's like these aborted attempts at books that were like shorter because those fiction the popular fiction was shorter than these epic fantasy novels that he wanted to write and more keeping with tropes that were popular in fantasy. And so he tried, like, a couple of books that were writing to this audience that people kept telling him he needed to be writing to, and then he hated them so much that he reacted against that by, like, no, I'm going to write The Stormlight Archive, which is this giant ten-book epic, and the first book of that is going to be my next book, just just to show you all. And then, of course, that one is now probably uh, one of his most popular things ever. But anyway, sorry for the long side digression, but... We have finally reached the end in the epigraphs of uh, the fun facts about Elendi section, because <laughs> Quan is like, okay, and there were other proofs. Like, he's just been telling us this whole time all the things that he felt proved Alendi was the Hero of Ages. He's like, there was other stuff, too, that only somebody trained in the lore of the Anticipation would have noticed. His birthmark, his hair turning gray when he was barely 25. Which I'd never pictured him with gray hair before. I mean, I've have read the book many many times, and I just in my mind Lindy did not have gray hair, but he he does. So, and he said he simply seemed to fit. So
0: maybe he just has gray, yeah, gray I mean, hair that early because he's stressed as shit and trying to rule everything.
3: Right, right. And uh, I mean, you can only put so much on a wall, right? That's what he says. He's <laughs> like, I don't have space for all the other things that I could say about him. I was wrong.
1: Yeah, that's the next epigraph, and I was going to get into it when we get to it, but it's just like, he's like, oh, I have to be brief. And I'm like, really? Now is the time when you're...
0: <laughs> anyway. <laughs> this guy. Nah, he's a keeper, clearly. You wonder, are there, like, rough rough drafts of this metal wall? Are there other metal walls scattered around somewhere where he's just trailed off halfway because he's like, shit, I don't have enough room, gotta start over.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, is a, that is an excellent question. Maybe he, like, did Maybe rough you, drafts but... on paper.
3: Yeah. Then... <laughs> Hopefully. Before you carve it into stone
1: yeah yeah it's like when you start like painting something and you realize that we, you don't have enough room and you have to squeeze the last five letters onto the thing uh, nobody's been there okay fine <laughs> poor planning i get it it's you know okay so we start out with uh orsor and he's he's being kind of sassy here he's like uh you know i i was under the impression that people needed sleep i guess i must be mistaken he, his personality has definitely uh, changed And she notes that in this chapter. It's like he complains a lot more now. I'll give him that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, he's not wrong. Vin's
3: not Batman. We read in the comics Batman only sleeps like four hours a night or something. But, you know, she's got to sleep more than that.
1: She has pewter to help her not have to, which Batman doesn't have. So maybe she's
0: better than Batman. Think of that. Uh, No, nobody's (laughs) better than Batman. (laughs) Batman's just doing it without the pewter. That that would probably make him better. Right. Oh, he good. just that's a good uh, point. Yep. he
3: meditates enough
0: like you can get REM sleep
3: like 10 minutes at a time.
1: But the part that I found most interesting here is he tells her she, you barely sleep three or four hours each day. Nobody, Mistborn Man or Conjure, can survive on a schedule like that for long. I don't think that we knew before now that Conjure needed sleep. They're weird bone eating blobs. It never really occurred to me that they might need to take a nap. And you know,
3: it's a living thing. It's expending energy. It probably needs to at some point revitalize
1: itself that's fair
2: you spend your whole life trying to replicate something you ate it's Mm. it's gonna be hard work
1: that's true it can't be easy and we find out that he eats uh some stuff also in this chapter but we'll get there (laughs) yep (laughs) Uh, and she's thinking like how can i sleep when i hear i can hear the thumping in the distance
3: hey i totally get it i can't even sleep in a room with a ticking clock
0: Maybe it's a Mistborn thing. Zane hears the voice of God. Vin hears the drums of God. Like, you know, <laughs> Just parts just parts of a whole.
2: wonder if there's like a guitar of God or something and it's, <laughs> yeah. <fucking bad>.
0: yep. <laughs> it's yeah. just a band. Trumpet.
1: What Zane hears Ooh, is actually the vocalist. The, the vocalist yeah. just yeah. sings Kill Him, Kill Him. That's the song that he's writing.
3: Kill him, kill Strap, <laughs> won't you
0: please? <laughs> God, God's a death medalist. Yeah, there you go. Sure.
1: And... She is drawing parallels between herself and the, uh, the logbook writer, Alendi, Like he can't sleep when he lies down either. And then uh, it turns out that she's waiting for Zane and Orsor is just like, dude, he's, he's not coming. And Zane is, or not Zane, I'm sorry. Orsor is concerned with how she's letting Zane. I don't, I don't even know how to say it exactly. I, he just, he says, I don't think he's the person you believe him to be.
3: Yeah. And so when we get into this, this part is when I'm, I'm starting to, like, plug in my theory to this conversation. So, obviously, there has been some bonding between what we're calling Orser and Ven. If this guy, if this Orser is actually the Straff Chondra, he knows about Zane. He probably knows about Zane, knows a lot about Zane. And now that he's actually bonded with somebody for the first time probably in his entire life, that's not like another Chondra, he's concerned because he's like, look, there's a turn coming and... I've been a part of it and you don't see that. And maybe this guy isn't such a it's like I'm trying to kind of tell you this guy's not not a good person to be around.
2: So you think the bonding is the bonding is genuine, but he's still the imposter. He's not bonding to to get closer as an imposter.
3: Right. It may have started that way, but he's actually I think at this point he's actually bonded with her.
1: Mm. I mean, it makes sense he's uh, his his explanation here is that condra are good judges of character because we have to practice to imitate people like so fully that you could we can tell stuff about people yeah I think but also that's pretty makes weak
0: sense. Uh,
1: you know if they have to m- impersonate a person all the way down to their mannerisms and stuff i think they probably really do study them very closely so i buy it but no i get your point it makes your 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 thought makes just as much sense if not more
3: yeah, but that would require – I mean that would mean literally every person that they're going to imitate, they would have to like somehow somehow monitor for a while before eating them. And that just mm. seems – that seems unlikely based on how we've seen their contracts and their interactions with their
1: masters so far. And I, Vin ends the conversation just by kind of thinking like, you know, he might be right, but uh, he doesn't understand Flying through the mists and sparring and stuff like us Mistborn do.
0: Yeah, it's so sexy and hot. I mean, he, how could he understand <laughs> it? I don't know. Like everything Orsor said here, I'm just like, God damn, man, you are speaking exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, we've
1: seen not too much more of Zane than Orsor has uh, in the book. I mean, we've seen him a couple times with Strath alone. But uh, we feel probably mostly the same way about Zane that Orsor does. So I don't put it totally out of the realm of possibility that he could have come up with that on his own.
3: You know, I'd be interested to reach out to the listeners at this point. Does anybody who's listening to the podcast, who's read these books, does anybody like Zane? Like, and, and, you know, mm. keep in mind, keep in mind, we, we haven't got to the end of the book and we don't know if he's a continuous character. But at this point, when you were reading this book, do you remember thinking, you know, I like Zane?
1: Well, they like spook, so (laughs) no accounting for taste, right?
3: Hey, uh, you said it. I didn't.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But Vin kind of transitions the conversation into a uh, more or so relevant direction. And she's like, hey, you know what? You can switch bodies if you want. If you don't like being a dog anymore, I don't want to make you do it. And he's like, he's trying to not admit it. And he has kind of excuses. But I think he kind of likes being a dog at this point.
3: Well, and then this just made me think of my theory even more. It's just like, well, he he knows how close he can be and how undercover he can be as a dog next, like, and stay with her as much as he wants. Whereas if he were to go back to a human body, it would be kind of weird, right? He can't be in on all the secret meetings if he's if somebody's like, who the hell is this guy? But I guess yeah. they know, they think he's Orser anyway, because because at this point in the book, I'm really th- wondering like, what do the other crew members who know about Orser think? Do they think he just disappeared or?
1: But. I be- I believe she told Ellen when she was tra- transforming him into a dog that she was going to tell everyone she had dismissed Orsor. Mm. Although then she says that later, she says, oh, I'm going to tell the rest of the crew later, like, the truth. But
2: for yeah. the
0: general population,
1: she was going to be like, no, I've dismissed him. We haven't seen
0: her do that to the rest, though. Because, like, none of right. them acknowledge him as the dog. I guess they didn't really acknowledge him when he was uh, yeah. old Reno. I thought, like, she's still just kind of sitting there with like, Oh, you brought the dog. Okay, cool. Well, she specifically didn't tell them that he was the dog because she was worried about an impostor
3: as one of them.
0: Yeah. Wait, yeah. was that right? I thought I thought um, they because. No, hang on. She had the dog before they realized there was an yeah. imposter. She she had the dog before they realized
1: she has, I think the first time the crew and the dog kind of meet each other is when Breeze comes back. Into right when the town.
0: Got back yeah. Which is just before they find right. out there's an imposter. And she yeah. was, she. that's
1: when she tells Ellen, like in the carriage, oh, I'm going to tell them just out in the middle of the square where everyone could hear didn't seem like the right place. And then they get to the palace and they find out uh, about the imposter. Uh, yeah, okay. And it's like, oh, wait, now one of them might be the imposter.
2: Maybe let's not tell
1: them. Right. Okay. I actually don't know if that was explicit. That's just kind of the way that I took it. Yeah. That's the way I read it
0: too. She doesn't
1: tell them after that. And we see them ask questions about the dog after that. And she's like, Oh, you know, whatever. But I think, I mean, I'm I'm not trying to put down what you said. That makes actually a lot of sense. I hadn't thought of it that way in terms of your theory. In my mind, it's like a twofold thing where I think he likes being a dog because it's like, he says early on, this body is, has a lot of benefits, like it can run and jump and the smell, it's, you know, the scent of smell, the sense of smell is really good and the hearing and all that stuff. But I also think that he says here, he's like, I've, I'm not used to talking to my masters, like candidly like this. I think if he had another body, there would be this impetus, like a human body, there would be this impetus to impersonate that person, to act like that person. And then you wouldn't have the opportunity for the same kind of like candid... Showing who he is as much as when he's in this dog body and doesn't have somebody to impersonate.
3: Yeah, that's a really good point. He because at first he said he didn't like being in the dog body because his whole life is being is pretending to be somebody else, but now he's gotten used to being himself with her. Yeah, and uh, and he's like, well, I kind of like
1: just being myself. I get to make sarcastic comments to my master. <laughs> yeah,
3: her yeah, Orser and Sazed, man, Sazed does it a little. Uh, I feel like a little more. Uh, subtly but it's there
1: yep he's a sassy terrorist man sometimes it's true mm-hmm. and he's like speaking of bodies uh, are we planning on going back to the palace because i want to get some food and sleep and mm-hmm. this is where she's like well he certainly complains a lot more now. and i like something that i don't even know if i picked up on before we read them again this time but because i read so fast that i kind of skim over some stuff sometimes as she comes down from the wall it was it's like the wall is too high or sort to have jumped up there or to jump back down so she carries him down which implies that she must also have carried him up so it's a very Mm -hmm. different attitude towards him than she was taking the beginning she's like keep up if you can
2: that's true yeah
3: yeah and that's probably very a very different experience for him as well he probably has never had a master like care for him in that way where it's like i don't care if you fall off a cliff and break your legs this time like you know, do whatever you got to do to keep up with me. But he's, you know, she's obviously taking care for of him because she wants him to be there.
1: Yeah, S- just small details about their relationship uh, and the way that it's changed. I also like when she's, she's like, sometimes I wish Ellen weren't so noble and Orster has a very strong opinion that he did the right thing. He made a contract. It was his duty to keep to the contract no matter what. Right, the blob monsters are lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The contract is life, so he gets it. And then we find out, he's like, the meat, th- the, she's like, let's go back to the palace. And he's like, excellent. The meat that I set out should be perfect by now. And <laughs> we find out that he likes uh, what he calls aged meat. Yep. He likes and old meat.
0: Vintage. Seventeen hours ago. I
2: thought
1: Eww. you were going <laughs> to tell the maids not to throw it away. And she's like, what am I supposed to say? Please don't throw away the rancid meat. My dog likes to eat it. <laughs>
3: Which actually wouldn't be that bad of a thing to say, I feel like.
2: No.
0: Yeah, no, I think that seems perfectly reasonable. That's his yeah. Like yeah.
2: I was half it's expecting like... there to be, like, another body sitting there or something. It's like, I <laughs> totally not to throw it away again. I was like, guys, how are you going to get around this? <laughs>
3: yeah, there's a corpse in my room. Don't mess with it. Just leave it there. <laughs>
0: my Don't dog likes care. to eat that. You're training your dog to eat human flesh? Well, <laughs> not living. Yeah. <laughs> and you're
1: next, so get out. <laughs> Well, it's like, yeah, if I don't have this one, I gotta find somebody to feed him, right? So maybe you should leave it alone. <laughs> or so is like, aged meat is like aged wine or aged cheese. It tastes better when it's a few weeks old. Oh. Um...
2: Firstly, wine needs a lot longer than that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> oh, dear.
1: And and she's just like man, I guess it's like a side effect of being related to scavengers, which yeah, you know, I guess it makes sense. The mist roam around out there eating whatever dead animal they can run across.
0: Yeah. Also, like he he says, oh, when I when I imitate a human, I never get to have a good meal, but do, but dogs get to eat what I like. I'm like, so what happens when you're having a meal as a human? Do you just like you know, when he when he was Lord Renault, did he have like a secret room at the back of the villa where he just kept meat so so it could rot for a while before he ate it? No, I assume that if he's impersonating him, he just actually eats the stuff that the human
1: would eat. And that's why he's saying he's like, I don't get to eat good stuff when I'm human, because that wouldn't be in character for Lord Renu to have an outhouse full of uh, rotten meat. He's he's, he's an actor. (laughs)
0: He's he's trying to set up trade deals, and it's like, what is that smell? Oh, that's dinner.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not staying for dinner.
0: Yeah,
3: you think uh, you think drinking poisoned wine is a badass move? Why don't you eat some rotten meat in front of your enemy and then see what they think?
2: <laughs> Dinner party with Straf and also <laughs> Just see who can last well, the longest.
0: Well, Straf has has his, had his own candor in the last book. We assume like that's pro- that might be the one that's infiltrated at the moment. But maybe back in the day, like Straf and Tensoon would just have these little competitions. I'll eat poison. I'll eat rotten meat. Fine, you win.
1: Most human poisons probably wouldn't hurt a condra, I would imagine. So that might be a smart thing. If you think you're about to be poisoned, you know, you're just <laughs> have them be your taste tester.
2: Be like Legolas and Gimli having the drinking contest. <laughs> <laughs> the condra's just like this doesn't affect me at all.
1: <laughs> yeah. Can they get drunk? See, it's all sorts of interesting questions about condra. And then as we reach the end of the chapter, and she's working her way back to the palace, she just has a lightning bolt. A uh, light bulb moment where she's like, "I think I've figured out what the deepness is," and then we get to that uh, that epigraph It's like, "I must continue with the sparsest of detail. Space is limited." That doesn't stop him from adding adjectives and stuff. Just...
2: Why take the time to write that you're running out of space? <laughs> you're running out of space. <laughs> <That's>
3: so
1: true. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about that.
3: <laughs> if he said oh. ah, he wouldn't bother to carve it. He'd just
1: say it. <laughs>
0: Oh, damn it, I'm running out of space. Oh, God, now I've got even less space. Oh, God! And <laughs> reading, he's like, he just keeps writing, oh, God, oh, God, what am I doing a lot?
1: <laughs> that, that's that's why you gotta write the 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 proof first, and then you transfer it onto the thing.
2: I hope we I just get an must... epigraph that has no spaces and no punctuation. <laughs> just a big, yeah. long string of letters. <laughs> oh.
1: All squished together at the very bottom right corner of the thing. Uh, oh, he says, the other world bringers must have thought themselves humble, and they came to be admitting they had been wrong. Even then, I was beginning to doubt my original declaration, but I was prideful. Oh, pride. And yeah, and then the beginning of the chapter just saved reading pretty much all the stuff that we've already read. Um, Which events we did that with the logbook last book, too. That's true. Yep. I'm afraid of how I'll be remembered. Oh, Lindy's going to kill me if he comes back. All the normal stuff just gonna scroll past that we don't need to read all the details that we've read but this goes on for like a couple of pages too it goes on for a couple of pages yeah and saves is even impressed he's like man it's amazing how much writing Quan managed to cram on this relatively small sheet
0: Because you imagine like all right he's written it out on paper but then if he's putting it onto a steel that was what five feet by five feet or something he's then got a just sort of measure his carving, because, like, carving presumably wouldn't be, like, to scale with handwriting. So he's like, mm. oh, I'm going to measure, make sure the letters are all right, that I actually will fit all of this here. There's all sorts of technical things that go into that. Yeah, I agree. It's trickier than it seems, probably. Maybe, maybe
1: he this was heavily edited. Like, it ended up being way too long, and he goes back, he's crossing stuff out. And <laughs> I'll leave this sentence in about how I'm running out of space, just to convey my, uh, my feelings, but... This information about exactly where the Well of Ascension is located. They probably don't need that. We'll take that out. <laughs> <laughs> but we do get this new bit where he's like, as the one who found Lendi, I became somewhat important. There was a place for me in the lore of the Anticipation. I was the announcer, the prophet foretold to discover the hero. And so he couldn't renounce Lendi without announcing his new position of importance among his own people. I can see how you would hesitate at that point.
0: I'm the announcer. I'm the MC for saving of the world.
1: and we find out that the world bringers which he mentioned are kind of like the forerunners of the keepers the keepers were founded like inspired by the world bringers who are traveling teachers and then he thinks Tindwell is going to be very annoyed with me he's really
0: concerned about her and then the window sorry Tindwell is just default annoyed at everyone
1: yeah no I see that (laughs) it's it's what happens when you're uh, a parent to however many yeah true (laughs) You lose your patience for these kind of things. Uh, the sh- the shutters rattle, and he opens the window to find Vin hanging out there. And I like she's like, you, you should leave your window unlocked, because I can't get in if it's locked. And Ellen got mad at me for breaking so many latches. <laughs> it's like, says you're not allowed privacy. I'm going to need to come in your window sometimes, so you need to make sure that I can make it, okay? Deal? All right.
2: let well, lets Vin in. Then what's to stop Zane getting in? For example, they've got to have some security.
1: <laughs> I doubt that Zane would be worried about, you know, breaking latches and if you wanted to get in there. But yeah, you're not wrong.
2: Eh, true. What was it you say, Dak? The best lockpick is a brick through a window?
0: Oh yeah. First thing we learned at that safe. <laughs> <laughs> I assume that's not what they taught
1: you to do in the majority of situations <laughs> where your services were called for, though. Oh God, no, 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 no. <laughs> That would be I would great have to look for a different company. I feel like well, don't call that one when you need somebody. <laughs> <laughs> don't call the
3: brick through the window,
1: guys. That's like their slogan.
3: And I'm pretty sure it's real.
1: <laughs> the brick picks. Yeah. See? Oh, wow. It, 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 it just rolls right off the tongue. And then notices what he's working on and gets kind of excited. She's like, hey, the deepness is mentioned here. And he's like, well, yeah, among other things. And they get into a discussion about the Deepness, where she asks him what it is, and he's like, well, there's lots of theories. Nobody really knows. Some people believe the Lord Ruler's official story, that it was a beast. Which, at this point, like, none of us believes the Lord Ruler's official BS, right? <laughs> I think that got thrown out the window
0: pretty conclusively last book, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: perhaps it was invaders from another land. And, uh, let's see, some people theorize that it's the colossus and that the Lord Ruler gained the ability to control the Coloss from the Well of Ascension,
0: which I think that's a pretty decent theory, honestly. If we weren't getting into a whole other theory right here, I mean it's possible because like they made a point like the Lord Ruler couldn't control them, so he could only you know, banish them or like effectively or keep them penned up.
1: Yeah, but he had some degree of control because within a day of his death, they went crazy, even out on the edges of the uh, empire. Yeah, true. And she's like, I think it was The Mist.
0: And says so just like, yeah, that theory's been proposed. And she's super disappointed. <laughs> it's like, I think it was The Mist. Dun, dun, dun. And Say's so just like, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and he's got, he's this kind of scholar that he's
1: he doesn't dismiss any theories, like, out of hand. Like, no, that's not right. But he also doesn't accept anything as quickly as Vin does. And that's part a big part of this chapter, is he's like, well, here's arguments against that. And she's kind of annoyed, like, no, I'm right. But he's just like, you know, I got to look at all sides. That's that's a, the scholarly approach to things. And he brings up some of the things that argue against it, like, well, if it's just the mist, why call it something weird and like, the deepness that's all spooky? Why not just call it mist? Uh, and he brings up that the mist is here, and it doesn't uh, hurt anybody. So that's the biggest issue, is if it was the deepness, then it doesn't seem very scary. And she points out that, well, it kills people now. And he's like, Huh. Yeah, I guess it does. Touché. And uh, she she's starts trotting out quotes from like the logbook and stuff. To She's like, it's not just the mist killing people. What if the mist is staying during the day sometimes? What if it stayed all the time? Plants would die, people would starve. And he's like, huh, yeah, no. That theory has merit. And she's like, it's not a theory, it's what's happening. And
0: he's just like amused that she's so certain so quickly. Which is fair, because like, We, like, say Shinoba now, Vin doesn't deal in theory. She deals with what's in front of her and just hard and fast facts.
1: Or what she decides is fact. It's not necessarily... She's not always right, but she goes by instinct, which we've talked about, but yeah. Yeah.
0: She's not into... She's not big into what-ifs.
1: Nope. She's not big into sitting and, you know, theorizing and going back and forth. She makes a decision and she goes for it. Which... Ellen even says in that last set of chapters you read, like, to her to to her credit, usually whatever instinct thing she decides to do, it ends up being better than whatever they've planned out. But she starts pulling out quotes from the logbook. She's like, hey, it says he talks about how – and she still calls him the Lord Ruler, which I've seen – I've heard objections to where it's like, but she knows the Lord Ruler didn't actually write this. And I think it's just, like, out of habit because when she first read the logbook, she was – they all called him the Lord Ruler and said the Lord Ruler wrote this. Just easy yeah. shorthand. Because she doesn't, like, despite the fact that Sazed has that, uh, the, the rubbing that he took, she still doesn't know the guy's name who wrote the thing, unless he tells her. But yeah, the armies were useless against it, and she's like, you know, it doesn't say that, like, the armies were getting beaten, it says they're useless, and what's more useless than swinging a sword at some mist? Thousands died because of it, but it didn't say it actually killed them, it said they died because of it. And she's got all sorts of, uh, you know, she's been studying and then, as Sazed is reading her notes that she's handing him, and he's thinking about the same stuff we were just talking about, that she goes by instinct, and she's usually right. He's like, wait, did you write this yourself? And she's like, jeez, why is everybody bringing this up? And then Sazed has the interesting uh, point that it's like, he has this, he talks about how, like, he senses this evil in the mist. And uh, she's like, well, do you remember this part? The part about the, the mist the, the, the creature or the shadow in the mist and she tells him that he's she has seen it also and he's like oh geez are, are you sure and she's sure and he's like okay he's kind of uh, worried about this but it's like that you know in the logbook it's clear that the mist spirit or creature whatever it is and the deepness are different things in the way he describes them so that, does, that still doesn't really explain it and she's taking all of this to kind of mean that, like, since Rashek didn't do what the hero was supposed to do, then the hero's going to have to come back at some point, right? And says like, oh, I get where this is going. But I don't know, what do you guys think of these arguments for it being the mist and says counter-arguments here? Like, uh, w- which side are we coming down on?
2: I think Vin's got some really good points. I hadn't really... I had thought it was more likely to be some sort of monster something doing something, but the fact that the mist would come in the day, block out the sun, I actually really liked her argument. I thought that made a lot of sense. I think Sazed, Sazed is just going to be very non-committal. And I think his, his rebuttal, like, yes, things have been floated before. They've talked about all of these options, but she's raising points, but he's not going to just rush in and go, oh, yeah, yeah, yep. That, that sounds like it's got <laughs> merit. Like, it, yes, they're, he doesn't want to shut her down because they're good ideas, but he's not the type of person that's going to just come in and go, oh, well, yes, of course, that's the obvious solution. Where Vin is very, this is my gut instinct and this is what I'm going to go with. And yeah, that's what I believe now. So I think there's definitely more to her idea than he's giving her credit for. And I don't think he presented a strong case as to why she's wrong. But yeah, I'd be interested to see where, where those ideas go. know. Mm-hmm.
1: If, if, if it does turn out that it's the mist, are we going to be disappointed that there's no tentacle monster? Like, like a kind no of? Ways, like... <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I
3: mean, I'm definitely going to be sad there's no tentacle monster.
2: I mean, can't there be both, really?
3: Yeah.
2: There's so many things in this world. We have bone-eating blobs. Surely there is <laughs> some sort of tentacle monster. Maybe it's not the deepness. Maybe what Vin is referring to is actually something called the darkness. So, <laughs> you never know. <laughs>
3: Yeah, you know, uh, as a digression here, they do say octopuses are like, or octopi, whatever, whatever, however you say it. They do say, like, they're so genetically different from human beings that they could possibly be extraterrestrial. But there's room in the world for octopi, and there's room in the world for humans. So there's room in the world for a tentacle monster and this mist
1: deepness thing. Sure, exactly. sure. I mean, if it is the mist, the mist it, you know, could have tentacles of mist. It could all fit together.
2: Oh, mist tentacles. Yep, that's what it is for sure. <laughs> just, okay. it's just like an octopi just going sort of around the sun, like, and just wrapping his tentacles, mist tentacles, around to plunge the world into darkness. It'll be great. It'll be
1: great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I'm, I'm sure that's Ben's next line. Like, it'll be great. yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I figured it out. It's fine.
1: <laughs> oh, but yeah, I mean, Say, Say even says, I, I don't want it to, your theories. are You have good theories. I don't want it to sound like I'm just trying to bring you down, but I just have a scholar's mind. I got to question everything, and I'm too fond of arguing, probably. And uh, he admits that his attitude uh, tends to cause con- conflicts within the with the other keepers. <laughs> and uh, she kind of talks down about Tindwill a bit here. She's like she says she came here because of you, but she seems mean and she's not nice to you and this and that. And uh he explains that well first first of all he says that she's disappointed in him because he's been working against the Lord Ruler for more than ten years and all the other keepers felt that he was this was a very bad idea. That he was endangering everything by doing this. Which is fair. The way that he explains it, like if he was captured, then he could have they could have tortured all sorts of secrets out of him to be and, reckless. Yeah. And then, of course, is just like, well, yeah, but we didn't get captured and we didn't fail. To be fair, they both did get captured at the end. <laughs> uh, just saying. But uh, it's like we didn't fail. And so he's like, well, yeah, but we could have. She's like, yeah, but we
0: didn't. We we didn't we didn't get captured. Yes, we did. You were there. <laughs> I was naked. It was a laugh riot.
2: <laughs>
0: Good time was had by all.
2: Yeah, for someone who was fond of arguing, he didn't really bring that argument up, did he? <laughs> of course, he kind
1: of let himself be captured because she got captured, so maybe that's it's not as good an argument, I don't know.
2: It's not really being captured if that's what you were going for?
0: Yeah, maybe. Well, she's, she still got captured, so, like, a point stands. Like, she said, we didn't get captured, like, uh, yeah, you did. <laughs> in fact, you walked in there. <laughs>
1: And he explains, like, you know, you know, she's a member of the synod, the synod, however you, I don't know how you say that. And I'm defying them yet again by coming back to Luthadel right now. And Vin, Vin is very, you know, black and white. She's like, well, it doesn't matter what could have happened. We won, so you were right to do all the things that you did. And she's like, well, I think you're doing the right thing right now. We need you. She's like, Wh- whatever those other people say, I don't really care. And he's just like, okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You're not going to win, Sazed.
1: And I like she goes, I don't think you have to listen to Tin Will. She's the type who acts like she knows more than she does. It's kind of, it's a little bit catty maybe, but uh, it's like,
0: loves Sazed, she loves Elland, and Tin Will kind of talks down about both of them. So it's yeah. like, oh, of course that's going to rub Vin the wrong way. It's like, no, these are my people. You don't get to talk shit about my people.
1: <laughs> and uh, Sazed is like, maybe don't, maybe take it a little easy on her. Because she's had a very hard life. And Vin's like, what do you mean? It's like uh, she was a terrorist mother. And we, we knew that they had these breeding programs. And I don't know if it occurred to anyone before when she mentioned, like, in the previous set of chapters, maybe, or the one before that, that she had had kids. And Ellen was like, oh, I thought that they were all eunuchs or whatever. But she was uh, what Vin calls a breeder here. And says, describes it, uh, she's birthed over 20 children, each with a different father. Had her first child at 14 and spent her entire life. Being repeatedly impregnated by strange men, often bore twins Awful. or triplets. Yeah, no, it's kind of horrifying. That's just fucked up. This is the stuff that the Lord Ruler was doing to his own people to try to weed out Pharaoh Kimmy. And Vin is like, oh my, oh, I would have just killed myself, I think. But it turns out that no, they this was actually a success for. Uh, the keepers like they worked to get her into a position where she would be selected for this because this gave them the chance to do exactly what the Lord rulers people were trying to stop is to get more children born who could have Pharaoh So she did, she went into this intentionally knowing what it would be like starting at 14 years old. So that's hardcore. I can understand why Sazed has so much respect for her because that's, that's
0: just terrifying. Oh yeah, once once he explained this, I'm just like, oh, mm, okay. Like, I don't completely dislike Tindwell. There've been like parts in previous chapters. I'm just like, all right, you're you're all right. I'll 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 give you that credit. But then like he lays this out, and it's like, shit. Yeah, the, she she she's uh committed. Yeah,
1: that's a word for it. But he says it's only during the last decade, her childbearing years through, that she was able to join and gain fellowship with the other keepers. So, I guess she became one of the leaders pretty quickly of their sect because of her commitment to what they're working for here. And I do not fault that. One. No. And she's so just like, okay. Like the, he's Well, he, he says, by comparison, the rest of us have known a life of freedom, I think. And she's just like, ah, great. Something else to feel guilty about. And he tells her to sleep, and she's like, yeah, okay, maybe a little bit. Vin. Not sleeping this book. It's, it's a thing. This is the, the next epigraph is extremely short in the end my pride may have doomed us all so yay <laughs> it's all been very upbeat these epigraphs right yeah
2: happy times for quan
1: yeah the uh the last chapter is a completely different uh, point of view and actually so I was going to let me go back to the annotations cuz i think there's something to do with this one i wanted to touch on
0: too dickhead phil <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think I've like actually responded to a character so quickly and just gone, Man, fuck this guy <laughs> as, I, as I have with this character. Yeah, no, like, even I could Stra- see that. even it, even Strath Venture, like it took a while. I was like, look, I know he's bad, but it took me a while to go, man, this guy's a fucking just done Whereas good old Phil, half a chapter, I'm already just like, alright, this guy's a write-off, fuck him. <laughs>
1: So what he says here is we get a random viewpoint here. No, fill isn't going to be a major viewpoint in the book. Oh, thank Christ. (laughs) I thought you might enjoy that after what you said. He just fills a role that you'll often see in my books, that of a section given to a random person because I want to show a different perspective on things. In this case, I wanted to show Ellen entering the assembly hall as he would be seen by someone sitting on the inside. This was one of the dramatic scenes that I planned out from early on in the book, and it was nice to find a way to fulfill that. Of course there's more to his point of view than just the one image i also wanted to make him a little more memorable so that other assembly meetings would work better i've reinforced penrod a bit at this point but i worried that philin would be forgettable unless i gave him a viewpoint so they want he, he, he wants us to have an investment in the characters in the assembly meetings so we really don't know any of them except for Alan.
0: that's fair i mean it does lend to the fact that you know we've Said, uh, the, you know, the assembly bits aren't quite as interesting probably because most of the important characters for those bits we don't really know, so.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think it's nice to have, because this is definitely a different perspective. We have...
0: Oh, yeah. Does the, the job ass- well.
1: Well, yeah. But I I just mean the assembly is composed of, like, three groups. The noblemen, the ska, and the merchants. And the merchants are the ones that we don't really know anything about. Like, where did this class pop up from? Who are they and how do they see themselves? Because we know about the Scar. We know about the Nobleman. We've known those two groups for a whole book and a half at this point. But the merchants are kind of something new.
0: Well, sort of. I mean, like the way Phil describes himself at the start is like he's not a Scar. He's like a self-made guy who could be seen as Scar, but thanks to his business enterprises, he's grown out of that. So he's above them. And you could make the argument that in a way that's kind of what clubs was because he was a scar, but he had his own craftsman shop uh, mm-hmm. set up and he was able to function pretty independently from what we saw. So phil seems like he t- has some of the attributes of clubs in that regard, but he's also just like massively egotistical and full of himself because of it. Yep. That's a good point. It is very much like clubs, except I don't, I don't know,
1: know if this guy has any, like, you know, clubs had this shot because he was a master woodworker we don't know if Fillon he just may be like a businessman. He may not have like that kind of skill like clubs did. I mean business so is he a skill. He,
2: he doesn't make things or build things. Mm. He's just sells things. So yeah. he's not working with his hands. He's not as lowly as someone who has to make something themselves.
0: Yeah. But yeah, he's still grown out of the Scar Mess to become something more than just like a peasant in a field. In his own mind, if not if nowhere else. Yeah. True, yeah.
1: Apparently he used to be named Lynn until a year and a half ago. And he went for fillin'. His, fillin <laughs> Frandu. It's like why shouldn't I have a grand name, a lord's name? Yeah, okay, ma, you you know. Yeah,
2: he's gonna be trouble. I mean he already <laughs> is trouble, but
1: Well yeah, we find out here that he's the one who like engineered the the voting Ellen out of the King's plot, so and apparently he did that with this specific plan in mind that he was uh bringing Set in, and well, here, let's, let's go a little bit before we, because he's, he's got this thing where if if you're one of these people who still looks at it as, as it as there's two categories, Ska and Nobleman, which is probably how the Nobleman look at it, if we're being honest, because that's how they've done it their whole lives, then they still look at him as, oh, that's, you know, he's just a Ska, but he's like, no, I'm going to be more than that, and I'm going to show them, and... He, talks, he mentions in here, he's like, oh, well, that's going to change. And we don't know how until we get to the end and see something here. So he has a, a little conversation with Penrod. Not much of one. They're exchanging pleasantries. The red vest suits you. I hope you've gotten over the other night's ailments, Lord Penrod. Just It's, it's a weird little conversation. But <laughs> and filling sitting here thinking, oh, that old fool probably thinks he's going to be the king. And he even tells us here, he's like, my plan is not for me to be king. I have no interest in running a country. seems like a terrible way to make money, which probably should be true. Uh, Current politics shows that maybe it's not, but, you know.
3: (laughs) Whoa, whoa, whoa. Be careful. Listeners don't like
1: politics. (laughs) I'm not getting, sorry, no, no. I don't like politics, so it's fine. I like he he has this this picture of what Ellen's going to do if he shows up. He's like, "Oh, well now see, that's that's not fair. I should be king. Let me read you a book about why." Now, um, can you all please give some more money to the ska? And uh is just he starts having a conversation with I guess uh, one of the other merchant members get true.
0: Well, well, they all sit together, don't they?
1: Yeah. And uh he talked, he apparently talked Getru into this by just being like, you know, we need a strong king who will keep the city from falling. And Villain's just like, no, Venture's stupid. He's a weak man and a fool. He, he knows that we don't want him around here anymore. And that's when Ellen comes in and everyone is impressed. Is Mistborn at his side wearing a dress? And he even kind of thinks down about Vin. He's like, from the few times he'd spoken to her, he expected her to look awkward in a Noble Woman's gown. And yet she was walking gracefully and was actually rather fetching. And then she death wears him. Yeah. <laughs> Until you meet her eyes and realize that she hates you. And he has to look away. Because, yeah, I would too. Vin's scary. He brought the Survivor's crew, which Phil thinks of as the former thugs of the Survivor's crew. He wanted Ellen apparently wanted to remind everyone who his friends were. Powerful men. Frightening men. Men who killed gods. You gotta wonder why anyone is like, yeah, let's take on this group. But whatever. <laughs> he also thinks that Tindwell and Sazed are both working as stewards for Elland, which I guess is a natural reaction. Yeah. But he says that everyone seems like awed by Elland. It's the new clothing, clean-shaved, dueling cane, and a wolfhound at his side. It does sound kind of intimidating.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Just the image of him walking in with, uh, with the dog... Uh, we watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood a couple of nights ago, and uh, I guess spoilers if you haven't seen that movie. Oh, but, um,
3: yeah, it's a rough, uh, rough dog scene.
0: Yeah, I'll, oh, I, I won't go into it, but uh, yeah, I just imagined him like as him as Brad Pitt and Arisur as the as the dog. And I'm just like, yeah, you w- you would fear that. I've never actually seen the movie, so I, I don't have the correct frame of reference here. Yeah.
1: One of those movies let's that I meant say, to see and uh, never got around to.
3: Let's just say, you know how they kill Hitler in *Inglorious Bastards*. I do. The Manson family does not end up killing who they're supposed to kill, and instead they get
1: uh, they get beat up pretty good. Well, everyone likes that. No, no one likes the Mansons. It's all good. And <laughs> like Ellen's first thing when he comes in is like, okay, well, so who's chancellor filling you're standing up or are you did you get not elected chancellor and uh they're like what what's a chancellor nobody understands the law like ellen does because ellen wrote it for the most part so i don't even know how they have meetings without him when they're like we don't understand the basics of what we're doing
0: well so even the meetings with him tend to devolve into just shouting and fist shaking so presumably yeah. that's all these the meetings without him are
1: that's a fair point So they're they're supposed to elect a chancellor to be in charge until a new king gets elected. Don't elect Hitler chancellor. That's what I've learned from the secret Hitler game. Uh, (laughs) You lose. It's not good. And Ellen nominates Lord Penrod as the chancellor. And everyone's like, yeah, okay. That works. And apparently Ellen has called this meeting and everyone thinks that he's going to get up and talk about how upset he is about getting kicked out of being king and so on and so forth. But he comes up and he's like, Okay, so I went and met with Strath Venture and I want to give a report of how that went. And Phil's like, But but aren't you gonna talk about, you know, king thing? And he's like, I'm pretty sure the people are more worried about the armies, so maybe we should talk about that first.
2: A good move from Ellen, because everyone's expecting him to come in and be whiny and be like, Well, why don't you want me to be your king? And he's just come in and gone, you know what, that doesn't matter. Let's just try and figure out what to do. And Mm -hmm. especially Philan over here is like, oh, actually, no, that's that's probably a much better quality in a king. Not that he's second-guessing anything, but he wants him to mess up. He's just gone and spent all this time convincing the whole assembly to vote against Elland. And now Elland walks in as a shining example of what a king should be like. So... He's sort of got all this support, you know, however he got it. I don't know, but support around him for him and his candidate. And yeah, now Ellen's just gone and he's slowly going to undo all that hard work for him. So you can see why he's a little bit unhappy about it.
1: Yeah. Ellen's acting like a leader. So it may be the first time they've seen this. So, uh, okay. He explains to everybody that uh, Straff claims that he made an alliance with Set. I don't believe it, but you know, I want to let everyone know. But he is not going to attack the city. And they're like, w- w- oh, really? Is it because you're his son? And he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> he has to explain this to everyone because not everyone knows Strath like he does. And he tells, he tells everybody, he's like, you know, I realize that we had this resource we weren't using and he kind of makes a speech about the you know this this government was founded by the survivor and his sacrifice and his legacy and maybe we all feel like we can't live up to that but we have this peace that he left over or that he left behind his apprentice the person who killed the lord ruler So, my father now realizes that if he attacks, he will incur the wrath of the survivor's heir, a wrath not even the Lord Ruler himself could withstand. And that's when he notices Zane is in the audience also. And Zane's just, like, writing this down to try to use later as more proof to Vin that she's being used. That's the way I imagined it, anyway. He's not literally writing stuff down. And, I mean, really, it's probably a good tact to take, as it says in here, to, like, associate himself with the survivor's legacy among at least some of them. We've noted before that the noblemen aren't big on uh, the survivor, since he overthrew their old lives completely, basically. No, but they're also not willing to fight against that. Yeah, it would be difficult at this point. I mean, there's a reason the Ska managed to take over the city. Can't take them all on. Yeah. And there's like a background conversation between Vin and, uh, and Ham going on about like, are you really okay with this, Vin? And she's just like, it, it's what he needs. And uh, Tindwell gives them a look and is like, hey, this is important, what he's doing here. Kelsier's is currently the most well-loved, most celebrated man in the Central Dominance. By implying the government was founded by the Survivor, the king will make people think twice about meddling with it. Kind of makes sense. Although we know... The government was really founded by Ellen, pretty much. But
0: Yeah, but calm people
1: will say what they will to each other. Yeah. And Vin is sitting here thinking, more concerned about, like, she's like, oh, man, I'm starting to wonder if I'm the hero of ages, but now I'm upset about, like, the notoriety that I'm being given. And she's having some personal issues right now that she hasn't really talked to, to Ellen about from what we've seen. Of course, some of those personal issues are Zane, which would be an awkward conversation to have with her boyfriend. Yeah. And then Ellen gets to the end of his talk and is like, okay, I'm done. And Lord Penrod's like, hey, aren't? don't you want to talk about, you know, the king thing? And he's like, you got my letter. You know that I'm unhappy about this, but, you know, we got to move forward and do our thing. And apparently Tindwill and him uh, are had worked on a whole speech where he was going to talk about why he should be the leader again. And he decides maybe on instinct, maybe taking a page from Vin's book that he's like, they're like, aren't you going to try to persuade us? And he's like, no, I don't think I will. I believe in the power that you have been given as representatives chosen by the people. And uh, so they're going to end the meeting. And Ellen's like, Hey, you probably want to hold nominations for King. Because now the law says nominations have to be held at least three days before the vote. And if you don't do it now, then, you know, unless you want to let the whole month pass without choosing a new king, then uh, you might want to go ahead and get started on this. And once again, nobody knows how the law works for this. You would think somebody would have done the research on how to pick a new king when they ousted the old king. But uh, Penrod's just like, so how do, how do, how do we do this?
2: That seem a bit incompetent
1: i don't know if no one bothers to read the laws and they're just relying on ellen to tell them everything or if the laws are too complicated i
3: have to i have to think that it's because they haven't had to think about laws ever in their entire lives because the Mm. ruler and the religion has been the law and so this other guy who studied ancient laws and how government should work comes in he's like yeah this is the way we do it and they're like oh okay they just go along with it thinking oh i get power sounds good but yeah, they they actually haven't taken the time to think about what governing... Like, obviously, Ellen is the best choice for King at this point, because none of these other guys even know how the law works, so.
1: Somebody knew enough to start the process to get him, like, kicked out. But other than that, no one seems to have any idea what's going on.
3: I mean, that may have been Set, speaking to his friend Phil over here, or whatever his name is. Could be.
1: Maybe Set got a copy of the law and was the
0: only one who took the trouble to read it. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, what the hell are they doing in this city? Here's the law book. What the fuck? This thing is huge.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can totally see that. One of the scar jumps up and nominates Penrod to become king. And Ellen's like, hey, that's if it's not going to be me. Penrod's not a horrible choice. He thinks it's a little bit strange that the scar immediately want to push another nobleman up there. But uh, he's like, they're they're still not ready to have other someone else leading them or to think of themselves as the leader here. They'll have to get over that eventually, Vin thought. Oh, so it's Vin thinking this part. Sorry, not Ellen. And it's kind of the same stuff that Kelsier used to think. Where he was... He, he kind of looked at the Ska as not quite as sophisticated and, like, aware as himself. And he's like, well, I'm gonna have to get them over these feelings of being scared of the mist, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And uh, Penrod nominates Ellen Venture. And Breeze is like, oh, this was a brilliant move. Penrod sees himself as honorable and has to wants, has to act in a way that other people will see him as honorable. So Ellen nominated him for chancellor. He felt like he had to nominate Ellen for King. And they're like, this was a really deep plan by Ellen here. Like everyone's impressed by this move. Although I'm, I'm not going to go to the annotations where Brandon says, Vin and Breeze give him a little too much credit here for getting Penrod to nominate him. While Ellen hoped that by nominating Penrod, he would get him a nomination in return. He wasn't counting on it too much. In this case, Ellen's basic goodness was simply being manifest. He figured that if not a single one of the Assembly was willing to nominate him to be king, he had no right to nominate himself. Better to let the matter die there than force a vote when nobody was even willing to consider him for king. So I hope nobody's disappointed that he wasn't quite as deep a chess player here as they think.
0: I totally buy that. I can, And it makes, it makes sense for Ellen's character. Like, Yeah. And I like, I, I one of my favorite bits of this chapter
1: is this very subtle bit where earlier in the chapter, Fillin's like he there's there's no way that Ellen knows that I was behind this thing. And then here it was like, Vin is thinking the merchants must have their own plan. Ellen thinks it's probably and who organized the vote against him. And I'm like, <laughs> ah, stupid merchant thinks he knows so much. Take that, Phil. <laughs> and then Fillin gets up very dramatically and is like, I have a nomination. And somebody just yells out, "Now who's being melodramatic? Just go ahead and nominate yourself." And he asks the questions like, "Does the must must arm nominations be for people on the assembly?" Which is just once again, nobody knows the rules as we get into this. I mean, <laughs> maybe Phyllin does, and he was just making a point to make sure everyone understood.
0: But well, I guess uh, if he if he gets Ellen to say it, no one is going to dispute it because they all know Ellen is all over this shit. Whereas if he says it himself, people will probably just look at Ellen and just go, "Is that true?" That's a good point.
2: Also, I'd love to know what would have happened if he'd asked the question and Ellen turned around and went, no, 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 it does have to be someone on the assembly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that That's kind of why I was thinking he must know this and he's just like trying to get Ellen to say it. Because if he tra- Ellen turned around and says no, it has to be somebody on the assembly, he'd probably be like, no, see, look here in the law where it says. Because, yeah, this would be a very stupid plan if he didn't know this going in.
0: There's this awkward disturbance in the audience, this guy in, a like, the hooded, bearded outfit's like, oh, excuse me, I'm going, I'm out, see ya.
1: <laughs> but apparently, uh, Alan's like, actually, I sec- accepted the position of Assemblyman after the fact. The king' duty is to create and enforce the law, and the Assembly is an advisory council with some counterma- uh, counterbalancing power. Which is interesting, because that's not exactly what we've seen so far, I don't feel like, is them acting as a, an advisory council to the king. But I don't know. And It seems weird that the king gets to be a member of the king's advisory council. But the king himself can actually be anyone. And the title was intended to be hereditary. And that is where villain says, OK, well, I think the title should go to someone who has a little practice with it. So I nominate Lord Ashweather Set to be our king. And Breeze's response is, oh, dear, as someone in the audience pulls their the hood off their cloak. And Vince like, is that really him? And Breeze is like, Yep, that is Lord Set himself. I think we might be in trouble. And that is the end of the chapters. So yeah, I don't I don't know that anyone was expecting that. It's a good twist, in my opinion.
0: The reason it, it caught me so much was because it was just it was just a case of I genuinely did not see this coming. I had never expected this, and that's why like I'm just like, God damn, that's a hell of a cliffhanger. Whether or not the plan itself is good or bad, it was. I definitely did not see it coming. So I'm like, all right, well played. Yeah,
1: that's. It. I think it's a good a good twist because I definitely didn't see it coming. But when you think about it, you're like, that's not a bad plan actually. He has the smaller army than Strath. He's not going to win in a fight more than likely. This is actually, if he can become get elected king, this is a really good plan from his perspective. Anyway, okay. Any final thoughts on these three chapters before we move into predicaments? They should just kill Set. I mean, it's ridiculous. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I think it's kind of supposed to mirror what Ellen and Vin did going into Straff's camp, where it's like, this is kind of a foolish yeah. plan, but it's like a gutsy move that this kind of person might make. I think we've already established that Vin would like to go out and kill Stref and Sat, Straff and Set, not Straff and Set. <laughs> but it, it might not be the best plan okay well then let us get into predigging. what predictions does anyone have let's see anyone want to go first this time i've been forcing people to go first
0: okay first i don't have much as far this is as far as what's actually going to happen i've only just got like not in terms of big events anyway i think the main thing is obviously set has just dropped in there'll be a lot of complications there. I'm just waiting for um his like his daughter to find out that he's in the city and just go, oh god, no, and run around freaking out. And then Breeze is gonna be like, yeah, I'm getting the fuck out of here. See you guys. <laughs> it's like Breeze is like on the stage. It's like just gonna excuse me, going to the bathroom. Um, I'll be back never. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you you have to
1: assume that Seth saw him, right? They're up on the stage in front
0: of everybody, uh, and
1: they had they had well, their they, dramatic entrance.
0: They big entrance, yeah. So Set's in the crowd, just gone there. You are, you bastard. Where's my daughter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I honestly, I genuinely have no idea where it's going from here. It could, like, the no, the nominations for King could go either way because, like, the, I think the um, presence of Set is just that unexpected. Uh, people might see it as a golden opportunity to unite with another army and fight back against Straff there might be enough people in the population willing to give Set a chance, um, because if, if they take him on as king, it means like a little bit less bloodshed for them. So, like, there's possibilities there that Set could still get it. I, I don't know if he will or not, but, yeah. I Honestly, I genuinely have no idea where this is going.
1: Well, yeah, and I, partly because we still don't really know Set. We know Straff and what an asshole he is. And we know, apparently, Str- Set has contacts in the city and some balls to have done what he just did. But other than that, we don't really know anything about him still.
2: I feel like at some stage soon we're probably going to get a set viewpoint, whether it to be to introduce sort of him and a bit about him to us as the reader or sort of what he's what he knows and what he's been experiencing. We've we've seen a bit into Straff's head now. I was definitely shocked at Set being there, but I think I've said before, you know, we'd be a bit naive to think that Set didn't have spies in there and, you know, wasn't involved in some way. I mean, obviously, he wants to attack Luthadel, presumably to take over and be king of Luthadel. you know, whether he's looking for Adiem or not, who really knows. But I think it's going to be interesting now to see where the Assembly fall do we know how they? I mean, do we know how they vote in a king? Like, does it go to like a democratic vote, or is it the assembly as the advisors decide who the king is? Or
1: hmm, I don't think we know that yet.
2: Yeah, because I mean, you've got you've got an equal division of noblemen, merchants, and scar, and it did seem that even like the noblemen and the scar seemed to be on board, but the merchants were the ones who were were sort of out a little bit from yeah. from the other two groups, which is really interesting given where the Scar and the nobility have been. So it's like Ellen's done a quite a good job to kind of bring those groups together. Any of the noblemen that are still in Lutherdale seem to support where things are going um, and things are... Well, Ellen's trying to make things better for the Scar, but the merchants seem to have been lost a bit in the middle. So even if the merchants were to align with Set, they are still the minority in, in yep. that. So... You know, you're going to have the Scar probably afraid of both Straff and Setz ways. You know, they they don't want to be oppressed again by by these leaders. The nobility, presumably, if they're still in Lutherdale, may not want to go exactly to how it was before. So, you know, where would their allegiance lie? It'd be really interesting. I think it will come down to sort of a political battle rather than a physical battle as to who, like where people... Will will align themselves. So I think that'll be really interesting to see how that that comes together. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. But it really, yeah, it really will come down to where people vote. And I, I can't see I can't see the nobility or the scar voting in someone completely different. But Philan's a bit scary. You know, he managed to influence everyone on that committee to vote unanimously. Yep. And I mean, he belongs to set. So who else in there belongs to Straff? There's got to be someone. There's no way he would just not put someone in the assembly. So. What,
1: what what would Straff want the results of the vote to be though?
2: Yeah, well it depends on on who's actually aligned with who. He's he sort of knows what's going on in there, but you know do Straff and Set have a plan together? E- even though we met, you know Ellen and um, Straff met previously. Straff seemed to be genuinely frightened of Vin but it doesn't mean he wouldn't team up and try and still build a stronger army. Like there are other misborn out there. And I think, uh, I can't remember. Does he know that they don't have the adium now? Did, did Ellen let that go?
1: They told yeah, him that they didn't, he knows. but at the very end of uh, Straff's chapter, Zane says, do you believe them when they say that they don't have the adium? Mm, and Straff, right. Straff says that he, Ellen managed to manipulate him so completely that he cannot be confident one way or the other.
2: Yeah, True. So I guess it comes down to is that a, a risk he's willing to take as well? Because if they don't have the adium, I mean they know still that Vin is a very strong Mistborn, but without the adium, multiple Mistborn could still take her. Yeah. So I guess I don't I, I don't really have necessarily a prediction on where it's going to fall at this point, but I think it's um it's all going to be very very interesting to see where it all goes. I don't know whether Ellen would be reelected as king after all that, but the assembly might just look at it and go, you know, we just got totally played by, by villain. And then that not come to anything, but sets already in Luther Delft, So yeah, who, who knows?
1: Yeah, it comes down to like a political battle. Like you say, you have to mm. question is Ellen, even with his new King lessons, is he skilled enough at the political aspect of it to like come out ahead?
2: Yeah, exactly. But with all his, his reading and he he would spend his spare time having political debates with his friends and, mm, true. you know, you know may, maybe this is exactly where it should be. It's not about having parlay with the other leaders and, and all that sort of stuff. Maybe it does come down to this and it's like, actually, this is exactly where he needs to be right now.
3: Mm, interesting.
2: And then, look, the Coloss could just walk through and just kill everybody. <laughs> so walk you know, in with the, their out...
1: bags of cabbages and... <laughs>
2: It, the <laughs> gates are not guarded very well so yeah I don't know where Orienne is in all of this too we haven't really seen her since she's been living in the castle but or keep Bencher yeah Yeah. Keep Bencher. now daddy shows up <laughs> still don't trust her
1: probably a good call we've already caught her being a bad spy so it's it, she's not very trustworthy
2: <laughs> nope okay uh,
1: Joe what do you have
3: Here's my prediction, not because I definitely think it's gonna happen, but because it's definitely what I want. All right, so set set didn't come alone, right? He's not in the middle of this room alone. Surely he's got soldiers with him. Oh Christ, no. Yeah, so sur- surely he's got soldiers with him. Maybe they're in the they're probably in the audience, disguised. What whatever it is. I I want to fight. Just like unmasking. It's like all right, prepare the swords. Let's get let's do this. Let's rumble. It's probably not going to happen, but that's that's what I would like to happen, so that's what I'll go for. Um, okay. I just want I want Set to die at the end of a sword, like right now. Wow. And, then, and then an army, Set's army is turned on, on Straff. That'd be great. It'd be fantastic. Either that, or it goes the opposite way, and like, you know, Ellen challenges Set to a duel, and then Ellen dies, and then control the city, and Vin has to leave on her own world adventure to save the world with Sazed. And will sure, she can come too.
1: That's that's dark. Okay.
0: Yeah, let's do it. Just imagine like this is like this big fight between Set side and and the Luthadel side, and then someone just looks over at Zane. He's just sitting there with his feet on a chair. He's his arms behind his head, just going, "This is great. Give me popcorn." Yeah, I'm just ready for something to happen. Right, we're like halfway through this book now.
3: Let's get it going. Let's get the or rolling.
1: <laughs> the Sanderlancha is at the end of the book. <laughs> we, although now that you mention it we are in fact at the end of this chapter 48% of the way through this book so right about uh, halfway hasn't time flown sure okay well we know what Joe wants lots of murder uh, just kill everybody, let God sort them out
0: yeah, you know, the Ooh. battle you can play a death metal at their
1: funeral yeah, so there you go God's death metal band.
2: Maybe... Maybe to tie into um, Joe's theory about Orosur. So, they have a big battle in here because it turns out there are no members of the public. There is just Straps people, Sets people, and Ellen's guards all scattered through the assembly in the audience. Big fight. Set dies. No one knows that Set dies. Orosur who could be Tensoon, becomes Set, so not to upset Set's army. And, but it's really Tensoon, who is with Straff, Straff wins.
1: That would be a really, really simple way of, like, nobody has to, like, no no wars have to happen at all. Mm. There's a lot to unpack there. Set's army just Mm. joins Straff's army, and everybody's happy. Well, except for the people of Luthadel, they're not happy, but... Especially no, you know, ben, ben and Ellen, they're very unhappy. I guess there's still the Coloss yeah. they'd have to deal with, though. So. Hmm. Okay. No, like, then like uh, Tenson
3: calls an army of bone blobs to <laughs> defeat the Coloss
1: somehow. They can't. They're not allowed to kill humans. I wonder if they could kill Coloss.
0: Mm. Yeah, was, we don't know, man. It's like, Maybe. It's like you got this epic, like, like twenty. No, not that many. Uh, seven-chapter battle between the Colossus and the and the Bone Blobs. And at the end, the Bone Blobs have won. They're standing there just like, God damn it, guys, we did it. And then the Inquisitors drop from the sky. It's like, all right, let's <laughs> fight, bitches.
1: <laughs> just
3: throw
0: everything the we bonus. can into this conflict. Let's go. The
1: whole all last right. half of the book is a giant fight.
3: All right, human. You've been
1: promoted. Oh,
3: thank you, sir. <laughs>
1: So, okay, so we have one email this week, and it is from Retro Rocket, who has sent us emails several times. But there's something strange and suspicious in this email that I'm, I'm gonna see what you guys think. So is it
3: actually Dawson?
1: Well, okay, so you know Retro Rocket says, "Hey, I've been putting off sending in emails because I've been lazy. So I wanted to make other girl a thing the episode after it came up, but never actually could find something specific to say about her in the weeks following immediately following." And then I just kind of fell off writing things. And I love that you actually made it a thing even without my input. One thing I found interesting about the first episodes is the interaction between the three reactors. Like Volcano Guy would make an observation about how something was weird. Other Girl would say, like, I never thought about that. And this makes me think, dot, 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 and make a reasonable answer. Then Random Person, in parentheses, Joe, would make a suggestion somewhat based on Other Girl. But go in a completely different direction without the support of the book. So, I would say Volcano Guy was wrong, but at least his suggestion was like somewhat supported. In case someone forgot, I'm pretty sure it was Joe, in parentheses, random person, who suggested that Vin was the Lord Ruler's daughter. Honestly, can't remember. I haven't rewatched the early episodes in a while. Uh, also, I just want to say the v- scene where Vin was talking to her dog and they came to an understanding is my favorite scene in the book, though there are a lot of great ones. The scene raised Vin from good character to my favorite that Brandon has written, even including the Stormlight books. Oh, he says, I love the reveal that Straff's mistresses were actually to breed Alamancers. He was doing this before the Lord Ruler's death, and it seems like he probably included Ska mistresses in that. I wonder if he got away with it or if he actually only used noble women. That's an interesting point. Yeah. yeah.
3: Also, uh, why am I a random person? I've been here since the beginning.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was, I was wondering that it was like, of all the names you could give him? But no, I
1: just li- I I like that it was, as we know. Uh, Our good friend Jackson, uh, who came up, who who started with giving these names, looked like Other Girl and stuff. And then Retro Rocket writes in an entire email using the same sort of naming scheme. And I was like, now I'm suspicious. Uh Maybe Retro Rocket is actually the same person as. Jefferson, you're not fooling anyone, okay? You're not Retro Rocket. Or you are Retro Rocket. (laughs) it's one of the two you either are or you're not yeah that's for sure no well we'll we'll,
3: just email us richard why don't we do this retro rocket and uh and jacob you guys email us at the same time and uh and then we'll see what's what
1: (laughs) but everyone has apparently been very entertained by jamie being other girl (laughs) i (laughs) do i just joe's random guy (laughs) it's really great
3: yeah (laughs) we we sound like we got a whole team here right like we could be superheroes a new avengers lineup volcano guy uh random guy and other girl
1: it reminds me of team girl squad it's like so and so what's her face the other
3: one one. no it's the ugly one
1: i know but the other one fit better with what we were doing (laughs) that is a date cut yeah home star runner man (laughs) jamie what do you think Huh.
2: No, no, no outrageous comments about other girl. But I'm kind of used to it. When I was uh, a kid, our dog knew my my brother by his first name, but didn't know me by my first name. So Aww. for growing up, it was, where's Daniel? And then where's the kids? And I was always the kids. So yeah. Thanks, Jackson. <laughs> you bringing up all these traumatic memories of my childhood. <laughs> Okay, let's uh,
1: <laughs> we'll, we'll hit the uh, trauma. Let's hit the, the the wrap up. You wrap it up. So I am going to wrap it up. Thank you. As
2: spook wrap so, is spook. <laughs>
3: a oh spook god! Rap? Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah. All right,
1: I've
3: been I've been writing
1: some songs lately. I'll I'll compose it. Okay, you compose the spook rap and uh, we'll
0: put it out on YouTube. It'll, it'll be the number one yeah. hit single. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, that can be like the theme song for the next like uh, predictions emails episode after the <laughs> Yeah. I like it. Mm-hmm. Okay. We gotta
3: have what is it? Wuzzing uh, with the street life? Is so that'll be the name of the song?
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that is all the emails for next time we are reading again three chapters so it'd be 32 33 and 34 for episode 11 of this book I call it episode 11. I mean, it's actually the numbering is way different from that. I'm just looking at my list of episodes. This was episode 10, in case anyone was wondering.
2: (laughs) 10 does come before 11. So that's good to know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, I wouldn't uh, we
3: wouldn't refer to it that way, because when you look at it on podcasts, you're not going to see 11. It's going to
1: say it's going to be like 28 or 29 or something. Yeah. Yeah, So (laughs) anyway, I just confused it more than it needed to be. So for next time. 32, 33, and 34. Maybe we'll finally get that action that Joe's been dying to have.
3: <laughs> yeah, do you guys, uh, hey, Jamie, did you want me to sing the song? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, Ben and Orser being best friends together forever, <laughs> the fun never ends. Solving mysteries one kill at a time. Ben and Orser, two of a kind. <laughs> Yep. That's beautiful. Yep, (laughs) Um, that's the song. But it was
2: just the last line over and over and over. (laughs) Two of a kind. Yep. over (laughs) again. I was like, oh my god, it needs to stop. Yeah.
1: When you said, do you want me to sing the song? I was like, but he's not going to write the rap. He hasn't written it yet. I didn't remember (laughs) the earlier discussion about the main
3: song. We drove back to view the podcast. Yep.
1: Yep. Okay. Okay. Love it.
0: So come back next time. We need, we need <laughs> to do a death metal cover for God to sing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> again,
3: again, I'm not taking creative credit for that tune that came from the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Very funny show. You should watch.
1: Our music is by Miracle of Sound, not from the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. That's true. While we're acknowledging, let's throw that out there too. So thank you. Thanks everyone for listening. And we will see you next week. Wuzzing to the time of next, everyone. we try, try,
2: Tell it to the page Who would never let it fade